Welcome to Industry 4.0. Hey guys, welcome to Industry 4.0. This is episode 23 of the podcast. And um, we have more of a normal pay show for you with uh, a casual second half with um, not one focused topic. But uh, last but not least, I am also joined by everybody except for the legendary Kyle Fisher. I'm joined by Ryan Thompson, Jeff Budzinski, and Irvin. How's everybody going for episode 23, how are we all doing? 23 weeks in. Doing good, man. 24 technically, but doing yeah. well. 20, oh, yeah. I keep forgetting we're zero indexed. Got to say, I'm liking these numbers we're putting up here. Yeah. Been nice. Doing episode good. 23. Feeling good. So, all right. So, we have a couple of interesting topics to start off the show with. Uh, one of which is a product that several of us actually are going to be owners of in the near future. Uh, the Google Home Mini, uh, there was an issue that came up earlier this week um, from Artem Rusakovsky. I may have butchered his name from Android Police. He was one of the reporters who went to the Google event um, in the last couple of weeks. And he. it turns out if you went to the event, you were given a free Google Home Mini. And he, his unit, he found out very quickly, was spying on him. So... Uh, he had this whole write-up where he was checking like the, the My Activity section and found out that it was basically recording everything he was doing from the time he plugged it in. Of course, it was in his bathroom as well, right up until when he reported it to Google. Anybody want to kick off with this topic? Yeah, so he put it up uh, in his bathroom and noticed some <laughs> weird activity that the lights were on initially. The lights were kept, which indicates that it was uh, listening. And then for certain sounds that it got, that it heard uh, throughout the house, it tried to respond to those requests or say that, hey, I can't do that at the moment or I don't know what you mean um, because it was picking up faint uh, noises around the house. Since it was in the bathroom, it's not something, not, not someone is in there all day so you it was just picking up sounds all around the house um so he reported that to google uh google they were actually uh, really good about this yeah they were really good because well android police is pretty huge he's the actually the the founder uh, of android police um so they he must have good contacts at google reached out to google pr on a friday uh night around like 4 or 5 p.m um, and then 10 minutes later, he got an email back uh, saying, oh, uh, we're going to look into this. Um, and then about uh, 30, 40 minutes later, a Google employee was driving up to his house in Oakland uh, to pick uh, up the device to look at it physically and see what was going on. That was one of the engineers, too. Yeah. Engineers that worked on uh, this uh, Google Home Mini. So um they looked into this and it turns out that the touch there's touch functionality on the top of the device where you can control uh you can trigger it so it starts listening to you just by touching it um or you can turn uh, up and down the volume uh but it turns out there's a flaw in the hardware where it just red registers phantom touches even without people touching it um and then that triggered um um that triggered the rec uh, the recording where we just start listening at all times. 
So Google temporarily, initially temporarily said that um, this only was affected by those original Google Home Minis that were given out at the at the event uh, to the reviewers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now there's a second update uh, stating that they're going to uh, disable this touch functionality on all Google Home Minis that are shipping out to actual customers. Man, um, what, a, what a PR nightmare for like a product like this. Yep. Like it, it, it couldn't have happened to a better company than Google to get the problem resolved and they, they handled it very well. But like, it's, it's like, it, it's, it's a terrible start. Like it's, I, I have faith that they'll fix it, but like, man, that's not good. Yeah. <laughs> like, is that, that's like the big thing that everybody's afraid of with these products is like, is this thing always going to be recording everything that I say and everything that goes on in the room? And it's a good thing they let you listen to your recordings. Otherwise people wouldn't have caught on to this. Yeah. It's definitely, yeah, go ahead. it's definitely not, um, you know, something that builds your confidence in these kind of devices when this kind of stuff happens, but good mm-hmm. on Google for, you know, being quick, like you guys were talking about, uh, sending an engineer out. I can only imagine what happened from there on Google's end, you know, taking it back to the lab literally and mm-hmm. working on the issue. Um, it's a little, they said, uh, yeah, that they ahead. gave him two home minis in response as like a kind of like a compensation for his troubles uh honestly i think if this was another industry um probably would have got a lot more out of the situation mm-hmm. you know it's kind of not enough in my opinion if you invade someone's privacy just be like here have have another two of these things that did <laughs> have two more for yeah. two other rooms of the house for the same issue to go wrong exactly all right um, i, I kind of like i feel like it's kind of implied when you buy one of these devices that it will be always listening to you because it mm-hmm. literally is based on your commands and your vocal you know commands yeah um, i i find i find it kind of funny that he had this placed in his bathroom of all places <laughs> you know <laughs> like what noises are coming out of that, that this thing was captured <laughs> just picture like barry white being played exclusively on that device in his house during like baths <laughs> <laughs> quite the history here <laughs> yeah. oh man <laughs> it sounds a lot like google but um no it's, it's i wonder if it was like because he, he said it was I think he mentioned that it started right away, like once he, the second he plugged it in. Yeah. But, um, I was wondering if maybe that could have been attributed to like the humidity in the bathroom with the fabric on top of the device or what. But like if it's starting right away, then it's clearly a hardware issue. And yes, it's exactly. a good thing that they nerfed this feature on it. That's Can uh... the elect. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was I was just going to, before you dive, I heard you going in the Amazon direction. I was going to say the same kind of thing. It's It definitely seems to be a hardware issue. Um, that's doesn't bode well for Google if, you know, you're disabling a, not a key feature necessarily, but something that you've designed this thing to do, and it's based on a sensor that's malfunctioning. Mm-hmm. Uh, that Can the Echo Dot do this? Um, can you touch it to trigger the voice? It has physical buttons. Okay. So this yeah. is basically the the same uh-huh. functionality but in like a, a touch feature. Yeah, I would assume that they I mean, I don't I don't know, it's gesture based, so who knows if they have the same kind of thing like a hold and press, but mm-hmm. that's that's the issue at hand here. So. Yeah. Well, um one can hope that maybe in a second run or by the time the consumer product ships, 
the consumer model that and the time that we get our hands on it then they will resolve the problem but yeah it would definitely be something worth testing out because of because of this that it's something that is already like even before people are it's being sold to the general public there's already issues with it so i wonder uh if is there any update that you've heard about what stock i mean it's a firmware update this guy received right so mm -hmm. i'm wondering what update if, if they're sending out new minis with this updated firmware this quickly or you know this is tuesday october 10th was the last day he probably he takes notes here i'm wondering if uh these new devices coming out like the ones that like i'm gonna receive and i think you matt are gonna mm -hmm. receive yeah. i'm curious whether or not it's gonna have the new firmware as when we get it or if we're gonna have to update it as well if yeah. it does the first time it boots up it's gonna download the latest firmware without yeah, yeah. you it even asking for you can't even deny it. it's just gonna get the new firmware so i didn't know about the denying part yeah but i think yeah, it's I one of the nice things about those types of iot devices automatically downloading any of the latest updates it doesn't even ask you do you want to install it it just does it silently um which is kind of nice you don't have to worry about it, it takes that when most people is like hey i don't want to worry about that stuff just get me the latest version i think it would, be, it would be good on google's pr department if they actually put the version number of the firmware update out so people have peace of mind mm -hmm. yeah yeah they they published it oh yeah. 10 100,122. yeah but it's quite a few versions Yes, yeah. <laughs> obviously, they, I don't think they did but, this in units of one, but <laughs> that, could, that could be an entirely different topic. Just talking about automatic rollout of updates that are like important like this mm. and whether updates should be opt out or opt in and how it's different between companies like that. Because mm. this is the same. This is also true for the Echo as well. Um, all the updates are just automatically pushed to the device, whether you want it or not which is a good thing because it gets all the security updates right away. But um, just kind of kind of moving on into the next topic, which does also relate to the Echoes, is the um, those devices now have a feature that Google was very quick to add to its list of features. Um, you can now have personalized experiences with your Echo device. Uh, so it can now recognize different voices and deliver a personalized experience, like reading off calendars to um, various people and just kind of responding with the name of that account user. So it starts off just by you read it aloud 10 phrases and then it uses that data to create a voice profile, similar to how Google will have you train it by saying the trigger phrase several times in order to pick up who is talking. So it's a nice feature and it lets, it keeps people out of very private things. Like when we were, um, when we met up over the weekend and you tried to trigger my home and it wouldn't allow you to do the the trigger for finding the device because it didn't recognize your voice Irvin. yeah that was a that was a, a clever little trick that they added and it's cool that that's the same thing for other ones that only look for the verified trained voices when trying to do personal tasks um but yeah, it looks like it's going to be in the echo the echo dot and the echo show so not the echo look right. so It'll try to apply your favorite styles to your girlfriend as well or to whoever's living in your apartment yeah. or house. See these companies like keeping up with each other and trying to uh, one up or, or try to keep up with one, one another. So Google had this feature a while back and now Amazon's catching up and then Amazon's going to come up with something new and then Google's going to add that feature. So 
they're fake, keeping these things fairly on par with each other, trying to one up and, and see who's going to be on top. But I think overall, I think there's room for both of these in because they offer certain things that the other one doesn't still. Right. Um, well, you've got Google going after both Amazon and Apple with yeah. their latest product event. And then you have Amazon kind of off to the side throwing literally every possible combination of a speaker camera and like internet of things device at the wall to see what sticks. So yeah. it will be interesting to see like where these devices end up in the next three years. Yeah, for so. sure. And um, speaking of Amazon, this isn't in the show notes, but did you guys see the new Kindle that was released? No. Um, there's a, there, they released a new waterproof Kindle, which uh, just Kindle, came out. So, huh? Right. Kindle o- Oasis. Yeah. The Oasis. Mm-hmm. The cool thing with that is uh, apparently with like Audible, if you were to have it do, and if you had like the digital and the Audible version of it, it would um, show the pages as as it's reading to you and highlight the words as it's going through the book, so you can like kind of keep up with the pages and like read and let's it'd be it'd, it's useful. But I, I just thought since we're on Amazon, it's it'd be interesting to bring up this new Kindle. Yeah, that's right. like the yeah, first time cool. I've ever had a waterproof Kindle. I know Kyle was looking forward to a new Kindle. He said that in the earlier episode. There you go. Kyle, uh, now you can safely take a bath and then read at the same time. Without I was, was going to say, just yeah. pop, pop out your snorkel and get ready, bud. You can uh, <laughs> read in your bathtub by the Kindle light. <laughs> Balance it on his beard. Oh, my gosh. Can you tell we miss you, Kyle? Okay. Sorry. Yeah, it's but, definitely, um, definitely good to see Amazon You know, keeping up with competition. Very, yeah, very good and for Amazon they're doing fans. a good job at it too. Yes, certainly. I just wish the Echo didn't look like a Pringles can. <laughs> That's all. Yeah, hey, it's got, it's got that a little bit. It has perforations. Yeah, and then they released the, the second generation. <laughs> and they released the second generation. They're like, but look, we have fabric now. We're just like Apple and Google. Yeah, you can. We're hip. <laughs> I'm so glad you just used hip because I've been using that recently and getting made fun of. <laughs> This is the hippest podcast around, man. <laughs> Said, yeah. Look how I'm dressed today. I look so hip. <laughs> Just saying that negates There's it. no hip problems in this podcast. We're a bunch of young guys. Check us out. Industry 4.0. <laughs> but um, should we, I guess it's probably, we should probably move on to the next topic. Yeah, um, it's time. Yeah, there's, there's some other uh, stuff that came out. Someone security. Yeah. Uh, Jay Buds, um, before you get your new phone, would you mind uh, giving me your apple id password would that be okay can i ask you for that um it depends <laughs> same goes to kyle if he ever switches if you can make it look like an, uh, a legitimate one then certainly yeah if, if i'll, I'll build you an app just kidding i'm gonna hit the home button i'll prompt you for it yeah that's fine um so <laughs> what we're talking about is that apparently it's extremely easy to set up a phishing scheme inside of an app on ios um as it turns out it's possible to create an iOS pop-up that pretty much is 100% identical to the official Apple sign-in to the iTunes store, but instead it's just whatever the developer decides they want to do with that password. And apparently that there's several apps that were caught on the App Store that um, that are actually guilty of this. And uh, there are ways to protect yourself from this, but it's just it's shocking to see that this actually um, like happened on the app store. Like, it's so easy to create an exact 
um, um, pop-up to match what the official pop-up is. And the issue is, um, as as most people are familiar with, and I can, I'm sure Jeff can chime in, and I'm, I'm very used to this because I used older versions of iOS, and it would just, just randomly pop up with this sign into your iCloud, sign into iTunes, put your password in, right? Just randomly for whatever reasons, like, yep. oh, okay, I'm just going to put that in because you need it or whatever you need to, you were buying an app or, or something like that. So people by now are used to these type of pop-ups just coming up whenever they open an app. Maybe they need to sign into like Game Center if they open on a game so that it syncs their uh, progress with the game through Game Center. Uh, so people are so used to like this type of pop-up coming up if they've been using an iOS device for a while. And you can just create a phishing pop-up. And they're like, oh, okay, it's just asking for my password again. So I'm just going to quickly type it again. And now that person, whoever put that phishing pop-up in, now has your uh, iTunes password. Yeah, um, People have been kind of trained to uh, uh, do so and just give out the credentials. And this was to be something that would probably fool me, too, to be completely honest. like Because yeah. when I used iOS for... A month i can't remember how many times this pop-up happened where it was like sign in you need to sign in for this you need to sign in for this you need to sign in for this and like it's so easy to just get, like you were saying get jaded to the process of just constantly entering your itunes password yeah and it, it i mean same same story as me i've seen this a lot i'm wondering where this goes in the future guys when it comes to um, biometric devices you know, it's a, I, as an iOS user, I was just using a couple of, you know, finance related apps earlier today. And a lot of them integrate your fingerprint with them where it asks for access to your fingerprint and then you give it to it. And now when you log into the app, you just press down your thumb and you're in instead of entering your password or what have you. So I'm wondering mm -hmm. if that's going to become commonplace for apps. I know it is for purchases in general in the store, but for apps themselves, are people going to be enabling access to that and then doing something similar where it's as easy as holding the home button? Maybe you do it inadvertently. You don't have to it could anything. Be. Um, the article does go into a few ways to kind of protect yourself from this. So um, a couple of ways that you can protect yourself from this kind of a, a scheme is to um, try hitting the home button like we mentioned, and see if the app itself quits. Right. And if it closes the app and with it the dialogue, then it was a phishing attack. But if it closes the app and it's still visible, if you if, it, if the dialogue and the app are still visible, then it's a system dialogue. Um, so if you, like, if you hit the home button and the app doesn't close, then you need to enter your credentials and it's coming from the official Apple system instead of just that app's phishing scheme. Um, but there, it's not just a matter of teaching people how to see if this is a phishing scheme or not. It's what Apple could do in general to prevent this from happening. And I, towards the bottom, they do propose a couple of these updates. And um, they propose a couple of solutions as, as well that could possibly solve this. And the one that I actually like the most, um, and this is something that, Android does for more personal um, settings that you need to configure on your devices. They actually redirect you to the actual settings page on the system app. So it'll take you out of the app into the system settings for that app. 
where you have to explicitly grant it permission in those pages. And I actually like that idea. I think that's a much better solution. Sure, it takes you out of the app, but it guarantees that you're, it, the fix is coming from the system settings. It's not as convenient, but it's a heck of a lot safer. Hey, man, security itself isn't convenient. Yeah, exactly. If it's not convenient, it's safe. So yep. that's, that's the world we live in now, especially with all these hacks that are going on, like Equifax, which is just this constant ongoing circle of fun. But I don't know what kind of then, fun you've been having, but oh God. Um, okay. Well, also, another fix is just not prompting people for their credentials constantly as well. Um, because I honestly don't know why every single app would need your iTunes password over and over again. So that makes sense as well. But I mean, and this, this article will be in the show notes. So anybody who's interested in checking in on this and seeing how things like two-factor authentication play into it and um, how this stuff would make it into the app store um, happened. So and the researchers uh, decided not to publish the code on how to do this. Uh, mm -hmm. Thank you for that. Yeah, that's <laughs> a good idea. Start uh, developing these, uh, but it's it's fairly easy. So if anybody has enough know-how with uh, developing iPhone apps, I'm pretty sure they can cook up something themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, two-factor authentication, you can, just what I was saying earlier, you you can um, know, you, it's, it's good to have two-factor authentication and it's a great check to have for any device, but it's not a perfect solution. It, it will make it harder for sure if you're a victim of this phishing scheme. So as a precaution, if you feel like, because like we were saying, it's so ingrained and such a robotic process, just set up two-factor authentication that way. No matter what, you have to, you have an extra layer of security. It may not be the most secure, but because then at that point, they'll have your Apple ID, but at that, at that being said, they, they will need your physical device to break the two-factor authentication. Mm. So yes and no, Matt. Yeah, yeah. They could request That's it, like, and you could just type it uh, in right after your password. But mm -hmm. yeah, well, it's not perfect, but it's Agreed. better than just accepting this without two-factor authentication. Certainly true. Yes. Yeah. Um, but with that being said, um, we do have another bit of spying going on from a completely different company, and. I think that now it is officially time to reset the thing that the days since OnePlus has had a company-wide issue with their device problem to zero again, because OnePlus, uh, as it turns out, um, Oxygen OS is uh, collecting a huge trove of sensitive details um, on anybody using their device, such as the phone number, the IMEI their Mac addresses, the battery status, when you've launched or closed an app, timestamps when you've locked or unlocked your phone, timestamps when the device screen went on or off. And that's just kind of scratching the surface of the stuff that this that they collect. So just to say something before we get into it, that a lot of phone OS manufacturers collect a lot of data of how you use the phone. That's how they see, okay, how are we going to improve the next version? And that's fine. Just make it opt in. Um, and make it anonymous. The, the mistake that OnePlus here is making that is you can't turn it off uh, within the settings. So if you decide you don't want to share that type of statistics uh, with uh, OnePlus, uh, you can't turn it off. 
and it also ties this data to your phone number as well as your serial number of the phone so you can it's the data is not anonymized yeah um, well you can but, technically opt out of it if you root but but who's gonna, yeah people aren't gonna root yes. yeah just sure. have to get all of your closest one plus friends into roaming and then eventually they'll be able to opt out of this so yeah but not, and that's the solution uh, toggle is the solution yeah and i mean just the just the, uh, just so we're clear uh, and just so I'm clear, I'm not 100%. Just the physical act of rooting your device would opt you out of this because yeah. you're no longer running on Oxygen OS. Is that right? I would think so. so. Yeah, you have to remove an app, a physical app from the phone. Okay, okay. And then rooting will let you do that. So, okay. So there is a step. Um, but it's just... So we have like the jelly scrolling. There's there's this long list of, of issues that OnePlus has had um over the course of its entire history, but I just thought it was it, it was funny that um, they're having more problems with data collection. And of course, like this is just OnePlus getting caught, so this could be something happening in other devices. But I feel like with the prevalence of rooting and roaming, this would be more visible in other devices. Somebody would have caught it by now in say like a Pixel or in like a Huawei device or something like that. Um, but did you did you happen to mention the kind of workaround to rooting? I didn't think there's there's something yeah there's something that uh, actually uh, praise to the homeland a Polish developer uh, came out with that you can work around without rooting uh, the phone and messing with the you know operating system itself. Um, you can enable USB debugging on the OnePlus in the settings section and then. When you tether it to a computer, you can use terminal commands to actually um, disable the tracking behavior. And that's done through what I see here is uh, basically starting the server, opening a shell, and then uh, uninstalling the uh, net.oneplus.odm um, from the phone itself. Yeah, so that's the tracking app behind the scenes. Yeah, so you can, you can uninstall the app without actually rooting, but you have to know how to... Uh, work ADB. Yeah. And this is what I get for not reading the last several sentences of, of the article. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, about ADB, especially on Windows, is kind of for most people's. <laughs> yeah, it's not yeah. for your everyday consumer, but yeah. even for, for me sometimes to make ADB work properly on Windows. Yeah, but uh, let's, let's face it, if you're going to root a phone, you know how to use ADB probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. yeah. And and even like um, the instructions here aren't that difficult for anybody with even the slightest bit of technical know-how. If you don't know how to root, you probably have an idea of how to access your Android device from plugging it in. Yeah, it's exactly. Not a, it's not more than a few extra steps to get uh, developer options on and turn on ADB. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's tutorials out there for you know disabling this app because I mm -hmm. I didn't know anything about ADB until I got my smartwatch and I wanted to up, upgrade it to the uh, beta Android Wear 2.0. That's when mm -hmm. I first had experience with that. Yeah, me and Irvin. I'm, I'm the rocket scientist. <laughs> yeah, so me and Irvin were heavy into rooting, so we're intimately familiar with roaming. Yeah, but um, I think uh, that being said, like it's it's one it's one more thing like i was saying and we'll see if they officially address this and if they officially decide to actually put effort into anonymizing this information and 
that would be the best fix going forward. Yeah, but, and otherwise it don't collect as much information. I don't want you to know what apps I'm opening, when I'm closing them, how long my screen's on and off. You don't need to know any of that. Do they? Yeah. So do they really need to know when my screen turned off? Like, I don't think it's that. Like, I, I really that makes you wonder like where that data is going, like what it's being used for. Yeah. I just there's wonder, a lot of extra stuff. Yeah, I wonder what their intent was behind this. Whether it's just laziness or bad programming, or if they had an actual desire to collect this data for some outside reason. And yeah. furthermore, this kind of ties back to the Google Home Mini conversation we were having earlier. You can't just mm -hmm. give a guy two more of the Google Home Mini and expect it all to get you know smoothed over. Mm -hmm. This is the age of information and when people are having their information taken in various forms without their consent uh that really rubs me the wrong way and i don't like how this is being handled it's anti-consumer yeah. and data is more valuable than oil nowadays basically there so be, it, there, they, there, they should they should have their due diligence in line and taking care of customer data, the people who they, who are paying them money to own their devices. And if, if you, someone makes an argument that's in the terms of service, it's a well-known fact that nobody reads those things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Come on. Yeah. Like, if, when <laughs> I actually comes... think that it's, I, th I think there may even be legal clauses where including things that are wildly, like wildly outside the normal bounds of normal terms of service. If you throw that in there, then you can't expect to be bound by it. Like if they put in a sentence like randomly and like the legalese terms that like thick in the uh, terms of service, like, oh yeah, also we uh, claim and we claim rights to own anything in the room this device is placed in. Like they're not legally bound by that, even right. though you agreed to it. So yeah, agreed. Um, I know there's, well, your point is, valid and awesome but the there's also services out there if i'm not mistaken where they'll actually kind of translate the legal jargon into mm -hmm. simple terms for consumers which is cool yeah we actually um we put a i think we had one in one of our show notes a while back when we were that's talking right. about that that's right yeah it's uh i forget what it's called it's like a it's a chrome extension it's like tos something yes 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 um, it's all coming back now but... if i can find it again i'll once again, place it in the show notes, but that was not very long ago. So yeah. if anybody in the that. Twitch can find that episode, that would be good, but agreed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, uh, so I think that's, that's, uh, all we got for the first half. Any closing, any closing comments, anybody? Uh, the counter is officially at zero days for the one days since one plus mistakes. So we'll be <laughs> keeping track. <laughs> well, that's all I have to say. That's all everyone's got to say. Uh, thank you for tuning in to the first half of episode 23 of Industry 4.0. Catch us in the second half. We'll be here talking about some more cool Ooh. topics. We'll be talking about giant robots, the Oculus Go, AOL Instant Messenger, and Sony's Touch Projector. So stay tuned, and thanks for tuning in for the first half.
Welcome back to the second half of episode 23 of Industry 4.0. I'm Jeff Budzinski. I'm joined here by Matt Slavin, Ryan Thompson, and Irvin Lucas here. Uh, unfortunately, we're still without Kyle Fisher for this episode, but we're ready to carry you through the second half. And we've got some interesting topics for you here, uh, including, as previously mentioned, giant robots, the Oculus Go, AOL Instant Messenger shutting down, Sony's touch projector, and one that I left out that's a little bit of an Easter egg, uh, Mark Zuckerberg's virtual tour through the Earth and space. It wasn't awkward at all, we promise. Not one bit. <laughs> speaking of awkward. Oh, I'm excited about this first topic, though. I was going to say, oh, speaking of awkward, a little awkward transition here. Um, there's <laughs> going to be a giant robot duel that you can watch uh next tuesday october 17 2017 at 7 p.m pacific time where the usa is taking on japan uh a lot of sevens i just realized that a lot of sevens that's right hopefully some good luck there but uh yes well anyone wants to bring um, us in they announced this two years ago um back in july 2015 um so it's been it's been a while for a lot of people if they don't fully remember the whole uh, the whole background to this. So for a bit of background with what happened, um, there was a Japanese uh, company, I think they're just like a, a metal company calling out a US company that their robot was better and they ch- and then the US this is all from memory. I'm not looking at the article at this moment, but I think the US team challenged the Japanese team to a fight. So both of the teams have spent the last couple of years building their robots in order to meet up and fight each other. And it's cool because these robots kind of look like they're stylized to their specific culture's interpretation of giant mechs and the US one kind of, I don't know if you guys have ever played this game or not, but the US robots kind of resemble the ones from like Mech Assault and um, those old games for like the PlayStation and Xbox. The Japanese one almost vaguely resembles like a Gundam with like a little bit more smooth and a uh, little bit. I, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited. This is a giant robot fight and we get to watch this. This is one of those moments where you're like, this is the future. <laughs> Pretty awesome. I'm playing the video right now uh, on the live stream and the video version that you guys will see on, on YouTube later. So you can go check it out. Yeah. All they're showing off the robots. Here it's, uh, I, Pretty well, awesome. From what the article is hinting at, too, it's it's looking like it's not, and we were talking about this a little bit just before the show started, uh, it's looking like it's not going to be truly a live fight because as as it would make complete sense, it does take a little bit of time to repair these robots after each round. Right. So they were shot over the span of several days, and uh, it looks like they're going to be stringing it together in the Twitch stream. And... Um, uh, the commentary. This is this is what I thought was interesting. Um, commentary is provided by Mike Goldberg of MMA and a robotics expert, Sara Nadiri. Um, it's interesting to see that. Oh, I, I can't wait to hear the MMA commentators <laughs> <laughs> take on two giant robots <laughs> in a warehouse, just coming at each other with eight foot long chainsaws. I was gonna say, did I don't think we did we specify size for our listeners and viewers? These we did are. Not. Yeah, these these robots are 16 and 13 feet tall, respectively, <laughs> which is oh, insane. Man. It's 
this is the world's largest game of Rock'em Sock'em Robots ever fought. And <laughs> the only difference is that Rock'em Sock'em Robots doesn't come with, and same thing with MMA, they don't come with eight foot long chainsaws. Did you, so. did any of you ever, and, and to our viewers as well, if you want to type into Twitch chat, but did any of you watch BattleBots? the show it was it was on a long time yes. ago and it came off the air and then it came back on the air and i was watching it i think as recently as this summer there was a new episode on mm-hmm. uh, i used to love that show and yeah. it, it wasn't that necessarily it was the best content but it was just cool to see these people use remote controls to have these robots go at each other with these different strategies and see who comes out on top when you have these giant robots that is like a country versus country battle i think this is going to be awesome mm-hmm. yeah yeah definitely reminds me of mega salt and the game of virtual on if any of you guys ever played that game mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> what i'm interested to see is what the rules are because you, they literally have human engineers as pilots in each of these so i mean they have to <laughs> limit the risk of injury to these guys and they're still coming at each other in 12 pound ro- or 12 ton robots with eight foot long chainsaws it should be interesting <laughs> they, uh, they do describe a little bit on what the conditions of the duel is so um it says that uh over the email chain between the two um contenders the megabots I don't even know this was the thing megabots official um person exp- I, th- I don't even know his name Gui or Guy Cavacanti explained, he, he said that the duel was fought on a knockout system with no point scoring. So victory is attained by either knocking over or disabling your opponent um, with uh, weight, power, size, and weapons of the bots left to each individual team. So they don't fully announce what each robot's going to come to the fight wielding. But... Um, the weapons that they did pick were chosen not to cut through metal, but just to damage it. So I'm assuming that the chainsaw is going to be a bit dulled, so that way it doesn't... I don't think you want anything getting into the cockpit during this fight. Right. Um, you know, that, that cab getting penetrated. Yeah. <laughs> getting like, crushed. Uh, like, in the, like in the second, if you look at... Uh, the, if you're going through the slideshow in the notes, um, the U.S. robot has like a red, white, and blue... S- star spangled chainsaw and <laughs> the japanese robot has what looks like um like a power fist from fallout if you've ever seen that where it's like a hydraulic fist yeah. and the the robots look so uh, uh, this is gonna be awesome they look so cool i know i'm gonna be watching this 100 percent live but i set up they provide the twitch link in the description of this or in the article so yeah you can like subscribe to it and follow it for notifications and that's like the first thing that i did when we talked about this initially i'm actually gonna post <laughs> the this japanese thing. robot looks a little bit like the geth from uh mass effect kind of actually i was gonna say more like a kind of like a cross between something from like pacific rim and a gundam yeah but it's <laughs> <laughs> badass yeah i think this is gonna be but so um, cool. even even I'm, with even with dulled weapons like a dulled chainsaw it's still gonna have enough force to knock back or i don't know about these you know 12 ton robots if it can knock it back but it's, it's gonna be doing some pushing for sure yeah yeah the u.s robot looks a little bit top heavy but yeah um it looks like it's going to be trying to fight a ranged battle from the way that it it looks to be unless it can punch you with the giant rifle that it has mounted on its right arm i can't quite <laughs> see the feet of the japanese robot either but they don't look it looks like the u.s robot has like tank treads yeah, yeah. where the japanese robot appears to be something like 
wheels, I think. Yeah, it looks it like looks... it's got three legs. And yeah. The, like, three, wheel it looks beak. like the wheels from a forklift. <laughs> yeah. It's actually, yeah. <laughs> that could very well be what it is. It could. It absolutely could be, but it's going to be interesting to see how different aspects like that kind of pair up against each other. There's a lot of variables. Um, I'm, I'm just curious to see how it goes. And I, fingers crossed, hope I can watch this live. If not, I'm definitely going to check it out after the fact. And also... Um, one thing before we move on to the next topic, I don't know if you guys are going through that five photo slideshow in the article, but the robot they show at the first slide photo is very different from the US robot that they show in pictures three and four. Like it looks to be this Optimus Prime looking chainsaw wielding two legged robot instead of something on like to the treads. Like it looks like it may even be a smaller set of treads. That's a good point. Yeah. You see what I mean? Like, yeah. it looks different. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think they're misleading us with that first image. Like, I think that was a prototype. <laughs> Definitely could be. <laughs> yeah. So, I guess we'll have to wait till next Tuesday to find out. Yeah. To see. But this is the first time, at, and and hopefully not the last time that we discuss giant robots on Industry 4.0. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and, uh, another place where you could see some robot on robot violence might be in virtual reality. <laughs> <laughs> There's a, a new release from Oculus that's being introduced called the Oculus Go. Virtual reality, wherever you want to take it. That's the catch the, the catchphrase that's being advertised. Um, Hopefully not into traffic. <laughs> you can only hope that much. Yeah, but, um, this is, this yeah. is very cool. This is um, a good time to point out that VR is not the same as AR. No, certainly not. Yes, this is this is a all-encompassing sort of situation where you should probably be seated. Uh, if you're standing, you should definitely be in a comfortable environment where there's no no risk of being harmed, no danger of that sort. Um, this is a virtual reality headset where there's no PC or wires attached, which is I'll repeat, no PC and no wires attached. That's that's a big deal. This is what I think I mentioned, maybe Matt, during our one-on-one -on -one episode, if not certainly inside conversations, um, that this is what I've been waiting for before I dive into the VR realm. Right. Um, yeah, this is definitely exciting. And it's uh, from what from what I'm seeing, it's not going to be as powerful as a stand as, as a Oculus or the, any virtual reality headset that's hardwired into a desktop for that matter. But it's nice to know that you can get a solid virtual reality experience without having to have a flagship expensive smartphone. So this kind of, and, and coming in at only $200, this really opens up um, like higher end, or I guess you could say it's mid range virtual reality yeah. to more people at a lower cost. And this is, um, this is probably where Facebook really wanted to take this. They wanted to give it a device that doesn't require a massive overhead in order to purchase it. Because with the when the Oculus first came out, you needed what an eighteen hundred dollar desktop, as well as a six hundred dollar virtual reality headset. So yeah. it's good that they're bringing this down to a, a usable price, and it's a little bit easier to use than a Google Cardboard. Because I the one thing that I liked about Google Cardboard was that I only needed this it's really cheap plastic headset but the one thing i hated about it was that it destroyed the battery on my phone and it's nice to be able to use my phone and like not have to worry about the battery dying 
while having a, 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 a separated device for it. The fact that it's a standalone device makes it more appealing to me, I think. Yeah, and that price is right, I think. $300, it's not yeah. too expensive. The price is right. Insane. $300 is great. <laughs> Yeah. Also, um, fair warning to you guys, don't scroll through the website too quickly because I did and now I'm dizzy. So. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of thumbnails. Yeah. yeah. See, I, I feel like the best place to use this would be like on an airplane or if you're traveling. Be a good that would place actually to watch be movies. Cool. Yeah, have awesome. a nice experience that way. Um, yeah. It's taken Facebook four years since their acquisition of Oculus to get this far. <laughs> I also, they bought I, Oculus back in 2014. I, I'm, what I'm, is I'm excited okay. for I'm excited for streaming with this. I, mean, I know it's probably like the lamest thing to expect from it, but you know it's a personal portable VR headset. Like you mentioned, Matt, it's not going to be up to snuff with the one that you wire into your computer that can do a variety of things. But oh, like this just, one, Jeff. What, what's that, Irvin? <laughs> oh yeah, just like that one. That one. <laughs> How do we look? Do we look great? <laughs> Can we get can we get iFro streaming in VR at some point? Anybody? We have to get it. We can uh, get a 360 camera. Yeah. I'll get right on that. We'll get there. Yes. Yeah. But I I can only imagine strapping like putting putting this thing on my head. No wires attached. A VR headset that's hopefully comfortable from the way I've seen it described. It seems like it will be, and you know you don't need a TV in your bedroom. You don't need to bring up your computer. If you're traveling, you're in a hotel room, you just put this thing on, you connect, you're in the Wi-Fi or whatever network you're connected to, and there you go. You can watch your show. I think that's going to be yeah, awesome. I'm going to do the entire show, the rest of the show on VR. Is that all right? Okay. That's fine with me, as long as you can still scroll the webpage and don't end up on our... Ridiculous. <laughs> I can't yeah. see a thing. We shouldn't, have trusted, we shouldn't have trusted you with that responsibility right now, I guess, but... <laughs> All right, guys. If we end up on some like random web page, you can you know who to blame. Just the guy is sitting facing the opposite direction with his VR headset on. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I I'm looking at the further down the page, Irvin. If you want to scroll us down that way, <laughs> uh, I'm looking at this one section um, where it shows like some of the different apps in like a little panel. Uh, I don't know what Facebook 360 is. That's I don't even know if I like Facebook in two dimensions. I don't know if I want <laughs> three dimensions. So, like, it might, be, it might be the Facebook 360 videos that people have been posting. Oh, you, I thought it was the whole Facebook experience in 3D, which was arguably more, way more terrifying than any horror. Yeah, horror I yeah, I don't need to catch up with people who I haven't seen in five years in 360 degrees. It's a little too much immersion for me personally. But um, it it is exciting though the product overall, and I'm interested. All jokes in aside, how what this runs because they didn't really talk about that. I didn't see anything uh, being talked about. But it says on this website over 1,000 VR games available. Um, so I'm curious of what operating system this is running. If they're going to bring in bring over the existing library that they have for the full Oculus Rift, or if they're going to leverage what they're currently doing with the Gear VR, because mm -hmm. the Gear VR runs the Oculus Home interface, so it might be just an Android-based system that's going to port over those games. I'm very curious of what type of experiences can they bring over, because on, on this page where they show all these uh, uh, apps, all of these are, are either already available on Gear VR, um, as well as the full um, gear uh, experience. 
Mm -hmm. I'm also curious about the graphics quality, right? Because you need a fairly beefy system just to run the regular uh, gear system. Yeah. Honestly, the technical specs, yeah. Yeah, they didn't really talk about any of that. Um, But we'll we'll find out some more information on this early next year when they're going to actually release this. And the one thing that's exciting for me is that they say that it works with glasses too, which is nice for someone who does not wear contacts and, or has no interest in wearing them. So it's it's good to see that they're kind of trying to make this as accessible as possible to people with all different shapes and sizes. The, the real question is if it fits on my big head. That's the, the real question. Fits on my, all, all the regular Oculus fits on my head and I, my head's pretty big, so. Yeah, our heads are probably similar in dimensions, so. Um, another sort of related to this, so Oculus had this their Connect conference, which all this news came out of, and then they've, uh, additional to this news, they announced an update to their interface. I don't think I put this in the show notes, but they're going to update their entire uh, UI for um, the original Oculus uh, Rift, the one I was just wearing a couple minutes ago. And they're going to bring over a way to put your entire desktop inside of VR. Um, you can just pretty much do everything in virtual reality. Have your have your uh, Chrome up, Chrome desk, uh, browser, any any app that might not even be VR compatible. So you can just play games on the big screen um, if you want. So they're going to bring over that functionality that's launching in beta in December. Um, so I'm excited to check that out. Can you when, resize the screens or add more? Uh, I think so. Uh, so like virtual desktops, unlimited amount of virtual desktops. You don't need additional monitors on your desk. Um, that that could be really cool uh, for oh, sure. Oh yeah, that's killer. Yeah. That may actually be the thing that forces me to purchase a desktop virtual reality headset. I have the PSVR. Just need a reason to get the Oculus or the vibe and that could do it i don't uh, i don't know if we talked about this during the summer but oculus launched a uh oculus summer event or whatever they called it where they discounted the entire oculus package with the oculus touch controllers for 399 um and now they officially announced that that's going to be the new permanent price that's not going to be just a promotion oh, uh, nice. or so you want to get into the actual vr uh game and you also already have a uh, capable desktop computer that can run, uh, that meets the minimum specs. Uh, you can pick one up uh, for three ninety nine now. That's not uh, bad. Fairly competitive uh, price, and it's quite a bit cheaper than the HTC Vive that's currently on the market. That's actually puts it right in the same price as the PlayStation VR, which is pretty so. cool. Yeah. So anybody who's got both, that's that's a compelling choice they want to make between PlayStation VR or the Oculus. So very yeah, nice. Um, um, should we go? Yeah. We're gonna go back, get back to VR at the end of this show when we talk about Mark Zuckerberg and what he did in VR, but <laughs> not in as serious of a tone, though. No, definitely not. <laughs> um, but for something that probably appeals to most of our listeners out there. As I'm sure that most of you have heard via your social media platforms or word of mouth, AOL Instant Messenger is shutting down after 20 years of service. Yeah, back in the good old days in 1997, 
AOL Instant Messenger came into the world and changed the lives of so many. I know many of you remember hearing that dial-up tone, getting so excited to get online and start talking to your friends. I probably got a few of those thousand hour CDs laying around if you guys want to take advantage of it before you can't. You know, I remember going through the grocery store and seeing those things. I, I, <laughs> they I handed them out. You, you, get them like, that kind of you got them by like fistfuls in the mail. <laughs> I, used to have, I had a couple of neighbors who would actually hang them from trees as like little decorations. You can see the AOL logo like spinning in the sunlight. <laughs> I, I have a confession to make. I never use AIM. What? what? Interesting. I've well, never talked that loud on this podcast. What? It, <laughs> my God. In a, in a way, because it <laughs> wasn't really a thing in Hungary when I grew up. So it's kind of kind of like an American thing, America Online. Um, it wasn't really something that we used over there. In 1997, I was still living there. So, um, and yeah wasn't wasn't never really got into it you could argue that this was dead when texting came around because that was basically what this was it was a way to keep in touch with your friends over instant messenger but i remember many a late night messaging groups of friends and then later at night a phone call would come in and it would cut the internet service to my house and i'd be like no get off the phone I, re- I remember <laughs> dialing up while my family was on the phone and they would get absolutely livid with me because I would just ruin their phone call and sometimes it was important. Um, but I don't know. It's the same kind of thing as nowadays. Like you'd much rather use at least maybe not with smartphones as much, but I'd rather use a keyboard to get my message across. It You can type so much faster and it's typically a quicker connection too. Maybe... I don't know how those connection speeds rivaled back in that day, honestly. But it was just awesome. It was cool, though. It wasn't just, like, about speed and transmission of information. It was, like, hanging out with your friends. That was, that was like, this right now, like, seeing yeah. all of yeah. us together right now. That was how yeah. it was when you got on AIM. That yeah, was coming those... from school. You can talk to your friends. You can talk to Smarter Child. You had your, you had your first text bots then. Dude, smart child I was asking awesome. Smarter yeah. Child some like real esoteric questions. <laughs> what is the meaning like, of life? Trying to like test the limits of like what it could tell me. <laughs> Imagine the amount of data that bot collected. <laughs> I know. Oh my god. <laughs> I wonder if it was even telling me the truth when I was like, "Where are you?" I was like, "Where are you located?" <laughs> <laughs> On your screen, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> How do you know my yeah. name? <laughs> and then it was like, "You guys, uh, that that reminded me of something that followed after that clever bot." Um, and all the ridiculous like chats that people had with Cleverbot stuff like that. Like that was one of those like early days of like when the internet was still mostly magic to me, and it was like yeah. it was like exciting and like that was one of those moments where I was like, this is great. I can go to school and talk to my friends, and then I can go home and talk to them again, but yeah. not but over the internet. I think one this of my awesome. I think my first like I don't even want to call it this, but coding experience was on an aim away message. Where you put like percent sign time and your yeah, away message yeah. is just like, yeah, it's this time. I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was like, uh, weren't you able to to put HTML in your uh, in your chats as well? Or was that was that MySpace that you could do that? I think you could put HTML and stuff in your MySpace account. I'm pretty sure it was MySpace. I remember for sure on MySpace, like 
editing the HTML of my page to put like a background in it and like change yeah. the autoplay songs playlist and stuff <laughs> like that. Um, on AIM, I remember mostly doing things like like color changes. And yeah, yeah. I remember updating the profile. You, you'd always have your profile updated with your favorite lyrics at the time, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> It was it was you cool. Had to do it, it was pretty cool. Yeah, I, <laughs> I used to. to get mocked and appreciated for it at the same time. So <laughs> nice, embarrassing teenage moments and memories being shared here. That's how I found out about Good Charlotte through an AIM status. Oh man! <laughs> and you called yourself hip earlier in the episode. <laughs> yeah, I did. Urban's over there in not America at that time. Yeah, you talking on not AIM? <laughs> doesn't, doesn't even know a word of English yet. <laughs> Not able to contribute to this conversation. We're shunning you right now. Actually, it's a shame. I wish I, That's I, wish we're I, I wish I remembered the name. I would totally shout it out right now. I don't think I don't think you used it, Irvin. Probably not. But when I was learning Polish towards the end of high school, I remember that we used a different instant messenger service uh, to talk in Polish. And it was. I, I wonder if they had anything like that in Hungary, or if you just didn't use any at all. I don't know. I didn't use any uh, at the time. Too no. real. I remember meeting up with people on room. I, know I have, uh, I had family who lived in uh, Canada, and American Online uh, AIM AOL wasn't a thing there as well. Um, so what they used there was MSN Messenger. Oh yeah, MSN Messenger was huge in Canada. That's what everyone used. Um, when that when that was a thing, when MSN was a thing. Um, so that's kind of weird that even in Canada, which is, isn't that far from the U.S., <laughs> um, even didn't use uh, AIM. To it was called America Online. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Not North America Online. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. I remember um, Gchat also was another chat client that I had loved back when it first came out when they rolled out shortly after gmail that was nice yeah that was definitely later on but yeah absolutely that was a game changer too for me yeah Um, but well well before that meeting with my buddies on runescape talking over aim yeah afterwards runescape good times uh but kind of touching more on aim unless anyone has some something on topic to say um nope uh, just I still have my screen name from that I made originally for AIM from the cool. time I was twelve. It carries over for through the years. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't say it because that's my next announcement: is not to announce your old AIM screen name for all you listeners and viewers out there. Don't do oh, it. Can. Don't do it. I'm telling you, don't do it. Uh, listen, every everyone had their their name, right? I I almost dropped mine. Uh, it's it's not a good idea because. Even though you think that this is something that's completely covered with dust and no one's ever going to access again, AIM's going away, who cares, right? Uh, nope. There's risk involved because you have things like uh, pet names, maybe, dates that are important to you. And I'm citing a TechCrunch article here that I actually read personally late, earlier in the week and put in our show notes for this week. Um, things like hobbies and any personally identifying information or PII, um, that, you know, potential hackers may otherwise not have access to could be found through your screen name. Um, 
or for that matter, if you haven't used your screen name in a long time and you have a stupid easy password to get into it, uh, maybe there's information tied to your account that they can still get access to. Mm -hmm. um, not a good idea to share it. There's a lot of campaigns on Twitter and things of that nature where they say share your screen name and memory of AIM or everyone's posted on Facebook. Um, mm -hmm. Not good. I don't idea. think I even remember my AIM username. Like, I don't think I could hack into my own account. I wish I could say my own account right now because it's so ridiculous, but I just read the <laughs> announcement. I'm not going to do it. Yeah, we can we can uh, we can have a big a big poll on everybody listing their favorite usernames and we'll use it for analytics and we'll send it all to OnePlus so they can <laughs> compile. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't even I think the I think both the email address and the username associated with my AIM account are dead because I don't remember them at all. It may even be my old AOL email that I have no idea what it is. So haven't touched it since like the 2000s, like early 2000s or maybe even the late 90s. I don't know. I uh, but... <laughs> I logged into mine as recently as this past summer. Oh, man. Yeah, there's a friend from high school that, that was, for some reason, the only way we kept in touch. So I logged in there oh, and used to be like, what's up? We're on AIM. Are the sound effects still the same? Uh, they can be, but mine weren't on. Um, oh, okay. It was actually cool. Their interface is much improved. I actually have uh, an acquaintance, I guess I would call him, who works for AOL up in NYC. And um, I, I think I was talking to him at uh, one of my cousin's parties or something. He mentioned, I was like, oh, I'm going to check out AIM again. And I logged in and they had like a, you can tie your Google account to it. So you can use that Gchat that you're talking about, Matt. Uh, in AIM, you can... Uh, use your AOL account and unfortunately it's all going away soon. They made so many great strides, but it was too late. Can we get a little bit of like Celine Dion or Sarah McLaughlin going just to, in honor of, <laughs> of this sad, sad moment in history. We could, but, but um, when we catch our big break, we might get sued. So yeah, we can only, well, if we play it for under 30 seconds, I think we're fine, but fair use. Yeah. Fair. Fair use. <laughs> but, um, I don't know if anybody has any closing topics on it um, before the server right. shut down. RIP. Nope. Never knew you. Yeah, hardly. <laughs> hardly. Blows, blows my Bruce mind. I'm, yeah. I'm going to bring this up again, too, whether it be on air or not. But <laughs> Urban's that guy who like shows up to the funeral because he knows a guy. Who... <laughs> oh my God. I, I heard there was food. <laughs> I'm here for the reception. <laughs> too soon. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> just another 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 topic this week, everybody and all you guys. Um, Thank you. Yeah, there's there's a, a projector being put out by Sony that turns whatever surface you're using that it's mounted on into a touchscreen. Uh, this was something that was talked about quite some number of years ago. And I remember thinking, oh, sweet, no more keyboards. No more keyboards. We're going to have a uh, projection and it's going to you know, tell where your fingers are when you're typing just on your tabletop and that's all you got. So you can take your device around with you. You can use whatever surface you're on and there you go. You got a, a desktop kind of setup going on. Um, this is an Ars Technica article I'm reading that was released uh, today, believe it or not. It's called the Xperia Touch uh, and its value, it's, it's, its market price is coming out at 
$1,699.99. Yeah. That is a pretty penny. Um, Yeah. It's a device that runs Android that projects the screen up to 23 inches. So it's pretty much an Android tablet that you can project anywhere on a surf, a flat surface, and you can touch. Yeah, but yeah. Read, read your next sentence there. <laughs> what? Read your next sentence there. What the resolution? Thirteen sixty six by seven sixty eight. Yeah. For seven hundred dollars. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You could buy I, I'm pretty sure you can go on Amazon and get one of those projector keyboards for like way less than sixteen hundred dollars. Yeah, but that's not an Android device. That's not a full computer. That's yeah, but like it's it's very different than just a keyboard. I I might have been misleading in my intro, but yeah, they're calling it the Xperia Touch. That's the name of it. Oh man, it's like they're naming it off their phone line. Like they mm-hmm. just took an Xperia phone and just shoved it into a box. You can turn it into a keyboard, a uh, piano keyboard. Yeah. They, they, I'm showing a screen right now on the slideshow. They have it up. Yeah. You can have a piano keys up on this on it, and you can start playing. See, that, it's kind of cool. That is really cool to me. Um, I think that this has a lot of potential as of a different form of technology. Uh, the, the other picture that you may be showing right now, Irvin, of... Uh, image six shown and playing a game together on a table i think that's mm-hmm. really cool too i mean yeah. there's, there's a lot of uses to this seventeen hundred dollars not so much but if you get yeah. if you get some serious resolution on this bad boy maybe two different angles of projection so you can kind of get rid of uh obstructions in the image um and maybe ramp up some of its capabilities in terms of the hardware it has inside of it i think this could be something that makes a big footprint in the tech industry. Yeah, the next, the, yeah. the couple of photos after the game, it looks, it's like of the Android interface itself in the slideshow. Um, it looks like a, like a traditional Android screen. Like when I was looking at that picture, the, the one immediately to the right of the one that you're displaying now, um, it was showing like, a, you can see the Android home and back button and you can see the app drawer and Uh google search bar and it's cool that you do have the full android experience in that and i could actually now that i'm trying to think of why this why somebody would want this for their home i could see this as being a nice dedicated iot device yeah i think that could be like a like a almost you install the amazon app on there you install the google home app and you sign into your accounts and then you have a dedicated almost like a, a touch terminal that you can use to control your devices. And that that's a cool use case. I like how bright yeah. it is too. It looks like there's a lot of light in that room that they're using it. And you can still see the app icons pretty clearly. Yeah, that's another thing too that I thought was nice. That uh, Already sold out on Amazon though. Too bad. Well, no. I'm not surprised, but I mean... I'm, I'm excited I'm, to see one of these devices actually coming into fruition. That's like, that's what excites me. I think augmented reality is going to surpass this by leaps and bounds when it when that finally comes to fruition like you see the microsoft hololens and other augmented reality goggles like that could easily do all the features this has if they built into it so i haven't like i haven't seen that on the market yet but they show all the prototypes and it's exciting mm-hmm. i don't know i think for 1600 <laughs> yeah then he's definitely gonna lose that bet and also like how good of a quality can this truly be at 80 inches <laughs> yeah like yeah 
I, I don't I don't know how well that re- that 1300 by um, what is it 768 resolution is going to hold up. This this makes me think a lot about do do you guys remember the kind of I don't know if it was like not a craze necessarily but it kind of became popular um, the smart glass advertisements you used to see about the future of like your home where you'd have mirrors made of this and countertops made of this and your car would be it had this on the windshield. And yeah. they, they, yeah, they they had you know capacitive touch activated, and also just like display sources where glass basically became became a screen um, with various levels of transparency, and it basically brought technology to these new surfaces that it wasn't there before. And this reminds me a lot of that kind of technology where you have a surface where you can interact with it, and it makes me wonder which one is a more cost effective and be more practical. Um, I would think that if you had smart glass where it had some sort of uh, built in display system, that would be a little more practical because you don't have this box sitting on every surface you want to use. Um, and it also involves bringing like a chip or your smartphone or something like that around where you placed it and use something along the lines of NFC, like near field communication technology to bring your device that custom interface and then display what you want it to at that station. Um, I don't think this kind of technology is going to get there unless there's some way they can make it smaller or something like that. Um, yeah. I don't know. Anyone um, have thoughts on something like that? Uh, yeah. Size makes I'm, a difference. And I think wearables also would make a difference versus stationary. Yeah. My, I was just reading uh, an, not to detract from it, but I'm just confused as to why this has a camera also. <laughs> like, I don't understand why it needs that. But I don't, I, I think, I, I do think the size of this thing is a little awkward, though. I, yeah. I don't know if I agree with the build yeah. and the approach. But I don't know. I don't know much about the engineering on it, but, but how, how else do your fingers interact with what it's projecting without a camera? Is it using sonar? That's what, what my thoughts are, Ryan. Infrared. I yeah, it says. Red. Says it's got multi-touch, but why does it need a camera? <laughs> I don't know if I'm stuck on this. Or if you want to have a Skype chat with a family member, you can project it on the wall and just yeah. But if you or... want like a if you wanted to take like a photo with it or something, that was what I was thinking. Like I'm just trying to picture somebody like setting a photo and like running over to the box and like hitting the button, on, like slapping the wall and then running back to like his <laughs> his friends to like take a photo. <laughs> no, but um, do, do you think that it's like? Do you think it's an adjustable camera? Is it like I, I don't see anything in here about it, but could it be something along the lines of what Ryan's getting at? Um, like maybe I don't know for bigger projections or something like that. It could. It's got a 13 megapixel camera, so it's it's of comparable That's... lens. It's of comparable size to a, a normal smartphone camera, so I'd imagine it does pick up pretty good detail. What if what if you were to record some kind of you know gesture movement or something like that would it have to be like i don't know what other example to use but if you were to send like uh, a message where you get to record what you write on the screen or something like that would infrared be able to pick up that up accurately and i'm not sure I'd, I'd imagine it would be pretty good because the the cheaper technologies have gotten this down pretty well with infrared and infrared is fairly powerful and at the at its output so i don't 
think that multi-touch would be an issue so much as um, as maybe just standard problems. But I think the biggest issue will be the resolution, personally. Yeah. But they a lot of people were saying that um, on this, according to the article, saying that um, they, they had some hands-on time with the device. And they were saying um, you can project it on the wall and table. And I'd also imagine that um, it has autofocus, auto-rotation, and auto-keystoning, which is basically you can orient it however you want, and it will try to configure itself to whichever surface, and you never really have to manually do it yourself. Yeah. But um, they were saying that the touch controls work really well, saying like uh, aiming a painting app at a wall or table, and they said drawing with your fingers feel really nice. So I'm assuming it's a, a pretty solid experience. They got it pretty fleshed out. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I just want to say resolution seems like it's one of its major setback right now. If, let's say if they pushed it to 8K or 16K down the road, that would be like a crazy TV to put against the wall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A little box like that. that it's definitely cool. would be what they're aiming for. Yeah. Because otherwise, I, I mean, I don't see that many other practical uses for it. Honestly, they're a long way from 8K. Augmented but... reality. Yeah. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. true though. Uh, According to this, uh, they were saying um, it, uh, it, there's, there's, the plan is for the touch to work at a distance also. So touching a faraway projection and thereby blocking it doesn't make a lot of sense. So for this, um, they were saying, now, and now this makes a little bit more sense. They have the front-mounted 60 FPS camera and plan to implement gesture controls. So yeah. that actually sounds... Like a, that answered my question. Now I now I'm now I'm, I know why the cameras there. <laughs> it's all coming to me now. It makes sense. Um, I, it looked. I mean, it's a cool device, but it's not sixteen hundred dollars cool. No. Mm-mm. Like this would have been awesome if it had half the price. Eight hundred dollars is very reasonable for this. I don't know what they're stuffing in there unless it's like unless that's gold that color that like pure gold. I don't know what. I don't know why hey, it's coming be. in. It's a you don't know price. what that circuitry is made of. I don't. You're right. You got to take it apart. There may be diamonds in there. <laughs> you never know. So, yeah. You never know. Um, yeah. So let's go to our, our last topic here, our Easter egg, so to speak. <laughs> this is the... How do I start this, this is, up? What tone do I take bringing in this article? Let me just right. preface this by saying that I don't know how he manages to do it, but literally everything Mark Zuckerberg does is the most forced and awkward like things that I ever have to watch. Like his house tour, like where he had Morgan Freeman configured as his home AI. Like this video is another one. And then even going all the way back to when he first was CEO, like when he first became like officially like see on started doing like talks in front of large groups of people we had like i think there was one where we had jesse eisenberg after he did that social media movie come out on stage and he was like ah oh, just kidding guys i'm actually mark zuckerberg and we're just like okay yeah it's really really awkward it's because it's because he has to get out of his bath made of you know old roman coins and put on his robe made of dinosaur skin and then address mm-hmm. the world and finish walling off his island in hawaii exactly that's that's a more casual way of saying he's a rich guy uh he doesn't know how to interact with society anymore but anyway i want uh 
I want to hear your thoughts on this, Thompson. What do you What do you think hey. about Yeah, what do you think <laughs> yeah. about Zuckerberg choosing Puerto Rico, nearly uh, very recently hit by a hurricane, as one of his spots to go? I uh, well, first word that comes to mind would be tasteless. <laughs> out of I touch. Mean, yeah, out of touch. He use a natural disaster as a form of oh, hey, let's promote our VR. <laughs> It like almost takes yeah. away from the disaster that's happening over there where he's like, look at us with cute little animations standing in the waist deep water near houses. Right. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> Rachel, the, the water's three feet taller or three feet high over there. Can you give me a high five? <laughs> in virtual reality, it's What? No what? <laughs> no, that, that high five was <laughs> just standing in feet that's covered in water knee deep water or even higher waist deep water and they're like oh let's high five each other in vr it's so fun look at how cool we are like oh my god <laughs> Irvin, you you texted me about this when this was happening or shortly after it happened yeah why don't you you know kind of reflect a little bit more on what what's so bad about this it just seems like they're completely like like Thompson said, out of touch. Just just doesn't. I don't. I, I don't know. <laughs> We're all just speechless. <laughs> <laughs> and I I personally like I, I like I said there is, they are donating to Puerto Rico, and this is something that we could actively provide donation links to in our show notes and to various um, services that are helping out the disaster in Puerto Rico. That goes without saying, but like, I, I urge everybody to watch this video at least one time Please do. and experience this at for, at firsthand because this is incredible. Like put us on mute and go open another tab and just enjoy that experience for a little bit because it is it's something to cherish. I'll and, share that to the Twitchers. And very, very, very confusing experience. All in the same thing. But then then later they went to the moon. And yeah, they did. <laughs> they got on the moon. Oh, let's go to the moon. Uh, <laughs> We're done here. It's like, let's, let's, let's go to space. <laughs> Thanks for the crisp high five. Let's go upwards to I the think moon. That's just the most ridiculous transition to to go from like yeah. disaster stricken Puerto yeah. Rico and just be like, well, we get to go to the moon now. Yeah. And then they go back and hang out with Mark Zuckerberg's dog for a little bit. And and he I think they have come out with official statements like saying that they weren't they didn't think it would go over as poorly as it did and they, they're sorry and yeah. they wanted to reiterate that they were donating to Puerto Rico and they didn't mean for it to detract from the problems that were happening over there and uh, it, I, it's just funny <laughs> yeah, that it's, it's just funny. And even <laughs> that thumbnail right there that you have in the show notes a little bit ago with Mark and Rachel on the video like even just the video thumbnail just it captures it well like captures they it. the way they respond to it too bothered me mm -hmm. I mean he's he's like you know it wasn't clear that it offended people because like the the problem was that there was a virtual character on a 2d screen and like that's something we need to work on is that the characters look too happy but really you're like no you picked the wrong location that's that's the problem really like you yeah. went to a place that just got decimated and you're like check us out we know how to do this like 
here's our plug that we're doing something good for the world and it's like yeah it's like he did a google search for like news in the last week and then picked the first country that or the first place that showed up yeah but Puerto Rico's not a country it's part of the u.s but like it's it's weird too because i mean who it's not like they're advertising people like you probably haven't heard of us we're facebook you should probably check us out now we got this thing called vr it's like no we we we're facebook you guys know who we are we're in vr and here we are in puerto rico that's just Irvin, I think that's what pretty much you were trying to say to me earlier in the week is it's 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 just tasteless. He he knew what he was doing. It's just plugging your yep. own company to try and make you seem like the good guy when really you're just this insensitive human being using a catastrophe and exploiting it to make your company seem like the good guy. Yeah. And at the same time saying, hey, check our VR out. Yeah. yeah. It's like a product advertisement placed over a disaster. That's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yes. So that's your Easter egg, listeners. I hope you enjoyed. Uh, I hope that you have some sort of opinion on this matter. Just in case you thought Zuckerberg was in touch with humanity, think you again. I, I, I hear a lot from our, our listeners and our viewers. I, they get in touch with me and they say, "I don't, I don't understand what you guys are talking about." I feel like this this is a topic. If you stuck around, if you heard, you know, the last topic on the episode, is this something that most people can relate to? Most people, almost all people that would be listening to this know what Facebook is, have seen Facebook, know who Mark Zuckerberg I mean, is. This whole second half, is, we, had, we talked about AIM, we talked about giant robots, we talked about Mark Zuckerberg being awkward yet again. Yeah, this is, <laughs> this is stuff that, even if you didn't know what it was about, you can imagine what it's about pretty easily, in my opinion. Um, yeah. I hope, I hope that you have some sort of opinion on this matter. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give one little one more carrot before we head out uh just give a shout out uh one of our dedicated listeners tyler a good friend of many of ours uh sent a link to a kickstarter campaign for the i believe it's pronounced pimax anybody i think so world's first 8k vr headset they set a donation goal of 200k 200,000 us dollars and they've had over $1.5 million donated uh, with about nice. just about 2,500 backers. Um, so they have these various goals. If, if the donators pledge more over just about $500, um, they're supposed to get one of these 8K headsets. And God. yeah, it looks like pretty, it makes you look like a Decepticon when you wear it. I know it looks pretty insane. It does. Uh, it's it's for someone. If anyone can't see, um, it's this wide, wide headset. Uh, looks to be about maybe a foot in width, uh, by about four feet or sorry, four inches in height. Um, and it has this V, kind of like Cyclops from the X Men. <laughs> And uh, allegedly, it's it the the goal slash what it's boasting is that it it does VR in 8K, which that is would be nice. Pretty ridiculous. That's, that's 4K in each eye. It is 4K, <laughs> 4K for each eye. I like I, that. I am ashamed to admit this as a member of this podcast, but I I don't know that I've ever seen 4K video 
in person. Come to my place. I'll show you some 4K. Maybe Thompson. Yeah, maybe maybe yeah, Thompson. Come to, come to Irvin's place. Come to my place. Let's check out 4K and the Oculus at the yeah. same time. Yeah. You're right. We'll have to arrange something. Yeah. AKA Irvin's playground. <laughs> yeah. Me and Irvin will have to see who can wave more tech in front of you to see if we can lure you over. <laughs> he was already at your place last week, so he was. <laughs> my turn. You got to share, Jeff. Custody now. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> your your plex accounts are being taken into consideration yeah as far as also time. um for just to kind of go back on to what we were talking about during the second half um on tuesday uh on our facebook page i'll be sharing the twitch link to the robot fight for anybody who is interested in watching it i'll be setting a reminder on my calendar to to do that for you guys so we can all watch it together and if like like we were discussing if anybody has been listening since the beginning of the first half or since the beginning of the second half we were um discussing possibly doing like a mystery science theater 3000 style stream of that so having like our own commentary over the robot fight on top of the commentary of the two people who are already doing that that would be perfect yeah i would uh, love that would... um matt it would also be really cool if you or pretty much any of us um, did some live tweeting during that too. Okay. Yeah, so, I'd be down for that. So we'll, we'll <laughs> provide <dive> like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See if play, I can get that arranged. A little play by play or something like that. Yeah. But I'm down for that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll have to, have to break out the, the, the pajamas and get comfortable and do some live tweeting. <laughs> we should set it up in a way so that way we're like kind of, it's like over our shoulders, like we're silhouettes in the bottom corner watching the stream yeah i can be set up yeah but at that point um i th i think that's all we got so i think that's the end of i think that brings us to the end of the show yeah anyone any last comments from any of our i4o guys besides the fact that we all miss kyle yeah miss you kyle <laughs> three times in one episode is not enough but yeah um I guess we can go into if anybody's got anything they're working on. Maybe wants to plug anything. Yeah. Um, let's start out with uh, our Industry 4.0 mediums. Uh, you can find us on Podbean at industry, F-O-U-R-O-H dot podbean dot com. You can find us on Google Play at industry 4.0. iTunes, same thing, industry 4.0. And you can find us on Facebook at facebook com slash industry 4.0 all spelled out and twitter.com industry 4.0 all spelled out yep. uh, as you guys saw it earlier uh i snapchatted that you can say to if you have a google home device you can just say play the latest episode of industry 4.0 and she will do that that was one so, of the coolest things i've ever seen honestly hey uh, or he, you can change the voice now yeah oh, right. or he, right. yes yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> But all you have to say is say the hey, you know who, and play the latest episode of Industry 4.0, and there you have it. I, so, so, I wish 2017, so, Irvin. Come on. <laughs> I wish so badly that you were on some sort of speaker device so that I could shout it out right now and have both activate. But you know, an <laughs> another time, next time that I'm trolling you guys, we can work on that. Um, yes. So for our listeners out there, our viewers out there. You may already know, but all episode music was produced by yours truly, Jeff Budzinski. You can find me on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash thejbones. 
That is a new URL. Uh, so make sure you update your bookmarks. I know you set one. Uh, while we don't have him as well, I'm going to plug our buddy Kyle, who couldn't make it tonight. He's the one with the glorious beard, and he's got a wrestling podcast that's called On Air with Keenan and Kyle. You can find that on air with Keenan.podomatic.com. Ryan, take it away. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm still doing photography on the side. You can find me at Wayne Ryan 21 on Instagram. Uh, it's basically the portfolio of most of my work up to this point. Uh, Irvin, you want to go? No, let me mute. If you guys want to see uh, what I've been working on in terms of the Instagram, you can check me out Instagram.com slash Irvin uh, dot Lucas. Look at my latest work there. L-U-K-A-C-S to spell Lucas. Um, I also, I, I got to shout you out. Ryan, flicker.com slash photos slash Wayne R. Thompson. That's where I get all of my photos from Ryan. It's the best. <laughs> It's an amazing source of backgrounds for high quality images. Those are those are 4K <laughs> images, right, Ryan? Yeah, yes, sir. They're Over. insane. <laughs> if you, like, I'm telling you, listeners, if you got one thing out of this podcast, check out Wayne's stuff. Come on. All right. So with <laughs> Thanks, that, man. guys, this has been a good episode. I, I really liked what we talked about here, uh, listeners. Thank you for tuning in. A lot of different topics covered. A lot of consumer based stuff. Um, I know that we're going to have some more exciting topics next week for episode 24 for all of us here at industry 4.0, Ryan, Matt, Irvin, and myself, Jeff and Kyle, who's not here for this episode. Thank you for tuning in. We'll catch you next week.